Hello and welcome to the third episode of Blue Sertriati Talks, the official podcast of the Whitby Town magazine. I'm Paul Connolly and this is the uh, first of our feature-length interviews that we're going to be bringing you on this podcast and uh, we've kicked things off in great style. A man who's made 600 appearances in the Football League and recently just retired from the game. It is, of course, former... Mansfield Town, Notts County, Scunthorpe United and of course Whitby Town as well. Midfielder Neil Bishop and uh, I uh, kicked things off by asking Neil how he felt after his retirement. Um, yeah, look, I've, I've had a good career. Um, obviously took an unorthodox route to get there but you know I was ready to retire. Um, obviously unusual circumstances this season. Um Obviously, same for everyone. But I knew, I knew in my mind at the end of the season, I was, I was always going to retire. So I know it's ended prematurely. But you know, I've got no regrets. That's great to hear, Neil. And it's uh, been some career that you've had. We'll talk a little bit more about that over the course of this evening. But um, we'll start right at the very beginning, Neil. You're a, uh, you're a Stockton lad yourself, um, a Middlesbrough fan, and. Um, Obviously, you came through the academy at Middlesbrough, but uh, let go quite early. Yeah, before YTS, um, I um, I got released before YTS, and then basically just probably fell out of love with the game a bit, and I I, I stopped playing to be honest. About a year, I, I got a broken bone in my foot messing around at school, and I just didn't really play, and then literally started from 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 rock bottom Sunday morning football pub. Literally started from Sunday morning pub football. So take us back to that point then, Neil. Because obviously, as we've mentioned, you're a you're a Middlesbrough fan um, and a Stockton lad. So being in that situation where you are at the borough um, and you're looking to push on um, to being released, uh, that that must have been a really difficult time for you. Yeah, when I look back now, it probably knocked me more than I thought. To be honest, um, like I say, because it, yeah, I probably did take a hit. Like I say, I just I wasn't really bothered about playing. I had the chance to go to to Hartlepool or, or Darlington, who were football league club back in the day. And as as tends to be the way, you know, you, you come out with the, the bigger clubs in the northeast, and then you, you, they filter down the little ones. But like I say, I, I just wasn't interested. Um, and I was just bumming around, to be honest. Um, and then, like I say, my mates, a couple of mates started playing for us in the morning team, and I thought I'd give it a bash. And, and that's when I started again. And I just started loving loving playing football again not doing it for any real ambition to to become anything or do anything it was more like just to, just for a, a laugh and a kick around with my mates on a weekend sounds like uh, one of those Neil that uh, more than anything you uh, just got back to basics yeah just sort of probably I love playing the game again obviously at Middlesbrough massive Middlesbrough fan uh, I was going since I can remember um you know, getting released from that. I, I basically, I, I think what was in my mind, it was probably Middlesbrough or nothing. And that's the way I looked at it. I know it was very immature, but like I say, I was 16, 17 year old. And thought, well, if I can't play for Middlesbrough, then sorry, you know, I won't play. I, I don't see myself playing for anyone else. And, and that's the way I looked at it. Like I say, rather, rather immature at the time. But like I say, I did just back to basics, just playing football for the love of it and, and enjoying it. And a social thing, like I say, with my mates and, and that's how it started. And like I say, I, I look, I, I still look back and talk, uh, talk fondly about them days. Uh, people I bump into when I'm back home, we reminisce about them because they were really good times. And like I say, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, real back to basics approach then, Neil. Obviously, to to get the love of the game back and and obviously get your enjoyment for the game back. Um, and on the back of that, you ended up going to Billingham Town. Um, what was what was the attraction to Billingham Town? What took you to there? 
Well, it was just the first club, like I say, I hadn't really thought about much, to be honest, go, go and playing. Um, but obviously, they, they said they'll give me a few quid for going down on a Saturday. By that point, I was, I was you know, enjoying playing football again. And I thought, why not? You know, again, it was it was close. Obviously, Billingham's just down the road from Stockton. Um, and I went down, a couple of lads who played for the Rosewood Club, who I was playing with the Rosewood Social Club at the time. Uh, Paul Roundtree, George Woodhouse, Gary Woodhouse, obviously local good local names, done the non-league circuit and um, I th- and they were there at the time. So I thought, yeah, why not? And it went down. Um, and like I say, got got in a plane again on a, on a Saturday afternoon in Northern League. Uh, a good club Billingham Town was at the time. So that was in the early 2000s, Neil. And uh, and while at Billingham Town, there was, uh, there was one point, wasn't there, where there was uh, a bit of a family affair, yourself, your brother and uh, your father all in the same team. Yeah, as needs must, like, you know, non-league's a strange time and it was towel all way on a Tuesday night, which nobody wants to go at the best of times, let alone <laughs> on a freezing cold winter's night. Um, and Alan Robinson was a manager and my dad obviously took us. My me, me brother was... Um, was a deep was a decent player anyway, so he was he was he was playing. I think you'll probably remember me, brother. I think he went on to play for Whitby, but he played. And then me dad, me dad, Juice Ferry was around at that point because uh, he used to. Me dad loves his football. Like he'll, he'll watch football all day. And Alan rang up when we were on the way up, going uh, like uh, Bobby. Um, I don't suppose you've got any boots and spare boots in the car because I think we had like 10, 10 players across a late pullout. Uh, so my dad's borrowed a pair of boots, which are probably about three sizes too big for him. And he was he he still put me in our Craig the Shame that night. He was still the best of the three of us. But yeah, we got the picture at home from that night, and it it just it's good again another good memory to look back on. Yeah, looking back, that must be uh, something that was a really really great family memory for you all. And like you mentioned, there still got the still got the picture at home. Um, so obviously going from the you know, from the Billingham Town spell there to Gateshead, um, it was a step up to the Northern Premier League. What was what was the step up in quality like there? Yeah, well, Gateshead. I went obviously. Gary Gill was manager, and he'd see me. I think we played Gateshead that see the season before in a, in a cup, and I had a really good game. And Gilly obviously knew me. I met him. Really liked him. Obviously, ex Borough player um, went down. Obviously, things went wrong fairly quickly with the finances and that. And as you said, again, like I said, non league. You probably know some clubs. Um, it was all built on sand um, and it, it was a shame because I, I was enjoying the step up obviously they signed a lot of the good players who I, who I'd played against from the Northern League previously and I thought we had a really good squad I wasn't an automatic selection by any stretch of the imagination because we had a good squad uh, and I was really enjoying the challenge like I say really getting back into my football at this point really enjoying it uh, so for it to go wrong so quickly was uh, was very disappointing I can imagine that was a real disappointment for you, Neil, in terms of uh, obviously making that step up and then uh, heading back to the Northern League with Billingham Town. But the uh, the following season, you did get a second bite of the cherry in the MPL and uh, a move to Spennymoor United, which is where things started to uh, look up. Yeah, like you said, there was Dr. Lad, Jason Ainsley, um, knew me there, uh, just lived down the road, Jamie Pollock, manager. Um and like I say, that was that was when I really started to kick on. Uh, again, loved it, loved going up there, loved playing there, um, and we had a really good go. I think we won the league. Nicky Moana again, an explorer player, was down there. We had a really good team, and that was really when it, when when, it, when things got motoring. Uh, to be honest, like I say, I, I, I loved my time. There's, like I say, it'd be repeated, but I loved my time at every non-league club I was at. And like I say, I look at them fondly. But certainly, it's Spennymoor. I think obviously because we got that league, we, we won that league. Um, it was, it was probably even that bit more special. So in terms of uh, Jamie Pollock there at Spennymoor, then Neil, uh, what, what was he like as a manager? 
Really good. Um, he was. He was obviously when he's played at the level he had. Uh, you know, he just he gains he gains that respect straight away. Uh, especially for me, obviously watched him as a, as a Borough player again. Uh, and he was he 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 seen things. He talked to you, and he, he was good at motivation. He brought the group together. Obviously, non-league, we we'd have quite a few social gatherings, but everyone had turned up. He insisted everyone was there. I mean, it was a really good group, and we bonded really quickly. And like I say, we had some really good ex-pros in the in the ranks at the time, and some good up, up and coming lads, as well as some seasons non-league pros. So it was a, it was a great mix. It was a great mix, and it turned out really well. And like I say, it was it was really a fun time. And I've I've got the medal from from that league somewhere. I think it's in my mum's loft. That brilliant, Neil. And um, on the back of that, and a, a great season at Spennymoor, it was uh, it was a move to Whitby Town Football Club under Harry Dunn. Uh, how did that move come about? Well, like uh, things were changing at, at Spennymoor, and I, ju- I just fancied a change myself. And again, met Harry. Um, obviously, Harry was a, a bit of a legend in the non-league scene. Really liked him. Completely, did. he had the gift of the gab. You know, he could talk for England when I met him. And I just thought, yeah, why not? It's, it's another challenge. I seen it as another step up, um, another another step on the ladder, progressing. And uh, I just, like I say, it was something I, I fancied, and I wanted to give a go. So. It was a, it was a no brainer for me when I signed. To be honest. So in terms of when the uh, the opportunity came up, Neil, to come to Whitby, uh, Harry Dunn getting in touch. Uh, what what did he say to you at the time to to sell the move to you? He just what his ambitions were. The the, the players that were already there, certain players he was trying to bring in. Obviously, obviously I knew he was trying to get a few of the Spennymoor lads who I'd played with. Um, and like I say, he was just he was very ambitious. He was he, he was he seemed very knowledgeable about. What I was like as a player, which which was important, see that he really liked me. He could see me doing this, he see me doing that. But then he he wanted me to progress. He said he could see me playing the football league if you make if you do certain things. And like I say, I really, I really wanted to to go there for the challenge. He was he, he wasn't just happy with me sitting there. He wanted to me to go in there, make an impression, do really well, and then progress up the ladder. So it was it was music to my ears really. And but obviously by that point I got. Got the love of the game back and was wanting to kick on. So, like I say, by the end, finished two or three meetings with him. He was a no-brainer to sign, really. So, in terms of the uh, the advice that Harry Dunn was giving you, then Neil, um, what what sort of advice and what sort of things was he saying to you? And uh, obviously, going on to the play football league, how much of that advice did you take on board? Yeah, he just thought I could be more of a leader, even though I was quite fairly young. He thought he, he seen me as a leader, someone who could talk, someone who could organise. Um, he seen me more of a, a getting on the ball more than I was. Um, wanted me to be a bit more adventurous than I was. Added goals to my game. Um, he obviously said in my, my fit, obviously semi-professional. The fitness isn't is is only really you can only go on your fitness sometimes of work and other bits and pieces getting away. But he said if I get fitter, uh, um, he seen me box as a proper boxer, box midfielder. And like I say, it was all advice. By that point, I was. I was I was well engaged um, with my football, so I, I was taking it on board. Like I say, any bit of advice I could get, I, I wanted to t- uh, take on board. And like I say, he he seen a bit more potential in me than I was than I was. I thought I was doing okay, but he he basically said you're doing okay, but you could do me so much better. So I just took on as much as board as I can and and tried to and tried to to take it into playing. When when obviously when I when I joined with me. So in terms of that, then we're talking about the o four o five season when you were at uh, Whitby Neil. Uh, the club started quite poorly that season, and uh, obviously Harry Dunn left the club, and and Dave Logan came in and replaced him. Uh, what what did you make of Logie as a manager? Yeah, I like, I like Logs. Um, obviously, he was there with Harry. Um, 
very straight talking, very straight to point. Um, maybe wouldn't uh, put his arm around any, your shoulder, uh, and he'd certainly let you know if he was if he was disappointed with you. Um, but on the flip side, he'd let you know if you were doing well. Um, like I say, straight. Uh, what you've seen is what you get with Logs. He was straight down the middle, uh, which I like. Obviously, being stop being from the northeast, it, it, what you see is what you get with a lot of us. And, and like I say, I've got a lot of time for that. There was no, there was no bull. There was no blowing smoke up people's backsides. It was basically uh, straight down the line with it. And like I said, I, did, I liked him as a person and I liked him as a manager. And um, after Dave Logan taking over, he took the club on a 19-game uh, unbeaten run, which I think is possibly still a club record, Neil. But uh, what what was it about him that, that got players on side? Well, I think obviously he knew a lot of the players anyway, the likes of Craigie Viet and uh, Robbo and, and there was lads there he, he knew. Um and I, I, like I say, I think it was just his way. He, he'd be truthful with you. I think the the one the thing about being manager is if if you if and this is for all levels. I think if you're truthful and you're honest, then people might not like you. They might they might disagree with you. They might they might think you're talking rubbish. But at least you've been honest with people. Um, a lot of managers tend to beat around the bush and just say things people have players and in any level. This is semi professional professional. But, Say things that you want to hear just just to get you out of the office or just to just to shoot you up. But the thing is with Logs, he 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 call a spade a spade and he's straight down the middle. And I think the dressing room we had at the time, the lads in it, uh, really appreciated that. You mentioned there having uh, the names in the dressing room, and there was some real quality in the side. Uh, one name that always jumps out to me from growing up watching Whitby Town is Craig Viet, and uh, he was one of those players, Neil, that every time you saw his name on the team sheet, you felt you had a chance because if a set piece came up. He'd uh, more than likely do something with it. Yeah, he he was, he, and you know what? He was a great lad. Um, again, he was he was a good talker, a good influence around the place. Me personally, he was good with me. Advice about when obviously that I was I was doing okay with me, and clubs were coming in and asking questions, and making inquiries. And Craig, he was always really really good with me, just in his advice of what he would do, what what he do, um, what I should be doing. Um, so he was someone I always turned to, and like I say again, I, I got along really well with him. But like I say, we at that at that room we had, we had a re- we had a really good dressing room. Not only not only good players, but good, good people in there, which 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 helps massively, especially in the in the semi professional game. I think it's important you have good good solid people in a, in a dressing room. With regards to looking up the divisions, then Neil, and uh, looking back on your time at Whitby Town. How much, um, obviously, did those players around you, the management and the advice that you got, how much of a, uh, a role did that play in your moving forward in your career? Yeah, massively. And I suppose it's a regret. I never got really any more time at Whitby because I loved it. Um, but obviously, being the age I was and not getting back into the... Um, and obviously, going into the professional... Trying to get in the professional game, I, did, I didn't really have time to time to waste. Um I'd like to have got the Whitby when I was younger, so I could have had two or three good seasons there, to be honest. Because, uh, like I said, I liked everything about the club, the people running it at the time, um, the people in charge, and being in that dressing room. So it's a shame I never got longer there, to be honest. Um, like I say, because I, I always look back on it with fond memories, but obviously Scarborough in the conference and full time at, at, at that moment, at that, at that year, and I just felt. Like I say, I'd wasted enough time to be honest, and I had to take the opportunity to move on. Yeah, fair enough, Neil. But you were uh, you look back on that Whitby team at the time, and there was a, a real level of quality in there. You look at players like Anthony Ormerod, who'd been at Middlesbrough previously, and then you've got your FA Vars winners, uh, players like Dave Campbell in that respect, and players as well like Danny Farthing and Scotty Nicholson. So there was a lot of quality there at the time. 
Yeah, I love, I love playing with Scotty. You know, me and Scotty in centre midfield. He was I played against him, and I had some battles with Scotty against him. And then obviously to play with him was good. You know, we I always felt he had my back, and I had his. It was one he went in and I backed him up. And if he had any trouble, you know, I was I was always there with him. And it was it was a really good partnership. So like you say, you mentioned the Gilly brothers, um, Alex on the left of midfield. We had we had a really strong team. You know, physically strong and some good real good ability in there. And like I say, Cami again. Vaz win a great experience, great lad around the dressing room, and and Armour Rods again another great lad. Seem to be saying the same thing about every lad, but it, it was it was just sometimes you get a good mix, and it's a pleasure coming in and playing with them because you like them all as people as well as players, and we you know that was that was that was what we had at Whitby at that time, which is why like I say it was it was it was a bit of a wrench to leave, uh, and like I said I, I wish I could have had maybe one or two more seasons there to be honest. So you mentioned there after Whitby, it was um, a move to Scarborough. You had a trial there in March 2005, Neil, and um, seemingly made quite the impression, obviously going on to make 11 appearances at the end of that season before uh, staying with the club for the following year. Uh, what was uh, what was that like, obviously making that step up from the Northern Premier League to the conference? Yeah, full-time training every day was a bit of a shock, and obviously I was I was staying in digs down there for most of the time during the week. Um but again, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was a new challenge, and I was late. I was late, obviously, to the professional game. Um, Scarborough seemed like a, re, a re, obviously as it does a, a big club because of the full time, and I was just I was just pleased to be there and just desperate to make up for what I've seen as lost time. So it was Nick Henry that took you to Scarborough, Neil, and um, in the oh five or six season, decided to make you captain. That must have been something that was uh, quite the responsibility for you. Yeah, it was considering, I'd, I'd, like I say, I was new at the game and I'd only been there, like I say, since since January. Um, but it was a massive honour, um, real, real massive honour, and some of I didn't take lightly. Um, but it, especially, with, like I say, considering some of the pros that were there, there was people who played a lot higher up uh, in the football league uh, and a lot higher up in the pyramid than I ever had. And to, so to be given that uh, of Nick was was a massive honour, and like I say, some of um, I was very grateful for it at the time. I, re- I remember it clearly when he told me it was um, it was certainly unexpected, and like I say, it was a, it was a great honour for me. So Nick Henry ended up uh, leaving the club midway through the following season, and uh, Neil Redfern took over the job. Uh, obviously, he's gone on to manage Leeds United and uh, Rotherham United and the likes. What was uh, what was he like as a coach and a manager? Yeah, Redis was a good coach. Obviously, he's played at the at the highest level. He knows his football. Uh, the only thing I'd say about Red is he was probably more suited to coaching than he was at management. Um, he was very good on the training fields, very good at the sessions he puts on. Uh, maybe he struggled a bit with the management side of it, which is probably the route he's gone down. Obviously, you see his future careers and a lot of coaching jobs. Um, but again, like I say, and he spent a lot of time with me um, in being a former centre midfielder, and and I really, uh, again, I really appreciate the time he took out to spend with me and try and improve me as a footballer. He was, a, he was a rookie manager back then, but he, he was just—he he never really struck me as, as a manager real type. He's—he was—I mean, it, everyone's got their own style and everyone's got their own way of doing things. But I thought, obviously, he was he, as a coach, you're more close to the players, and I think that maybe affected him because he was still—he was close to some, a lot of the lads. Obviously, he played there, uh, he coached, and he was—he was like I say, it's not—it's not really a criticism, but I just thought he, he always come across more of a more of a training ground coach and an actual manager and, and that's just like I say the way, the way I've seen him to be honest In terms of uh, looking back at your time at Scarborough then one uh, one incident I will 
bring up, and I'm sure you know which one it'll be, Neil, is uh, with, again, a former Whitby and Scarborough player, Denny Ingram, when you played Halifax. Um, what was uh, what was the uh, the issue on that occasion? Well, he got, uh, like you say, being che- as he is, he got a bit chirpy during the game, and then he he done something stupid and got sent off, and then he went past me and said something, so I just basically laughed at him as he was going off the pitch. And then I come in the tunnel, and... Um, like I say, he, he must have been waiting for me there and he's come across and just headbutted me from the side, which I thought was a bit of a cowardly thing to do. You know, if you want to do something, you do it to someone's face and see what it's at. But no, it's, it, it was a long time ago and it's certainly something I, I don't hold no grudges around. Um, it all kicked off a bit and it, it got a bit etchy, but I don't know. I don't know if he was bitter because he was he wanted to be back at Scarborough or he was just, I don't know, I don't know what was going on in his head, to be honest, but... It was. I think he knew he'd let himself down and let his team down by getting sent off that day. And I think he was obviously angry about it. But yeah, it was. It, it is what it is. We've all done stupid stuff when we've uh, been hit up in the past. And like I said, certainly nothing, nothing I, I hold any grudges about. This for certain. So uh, from Scarborough, then it was uh, a move to York City following that, which is uh, quite the career path. Neil, looking at it, because obviously going from uh, going from Whitby to Scarborough and then. Uh, Going to York City as well, so a bit a bit unorthodox. But uh, you finished that season with fourteen appearances and a goal for York City. Um, at the uh, at the time, York were a club on the up and um, a, a club that you almost helped on the up as well. Yeah, well, I think in that season we won about seven eight on the bounce uh, and got within touching distance of the playoffs. I think it went right down the wire. Ultimately disappointed in myself, but you know we put a right good run together. Again, a good team. Uh, Billy McEwen was a manager again coming in January, and again I seen that as a it, maybe a mini step because we're in the same league as Scarborough, but they were certainly up at the top end challenging, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be part of it. Like I say, I was there was rumours in that some of a couple of uh, sorry rumours of a couple of league clubs interested in that January, but you know there was nothing concrete until York come in, and I just thought again I was in a rush by this point to try and get as high and. As, quick, as, as high as I can, as quickly as I can, and I, I just seen that as another little step. So it's one I, I took straight away without without a moment's hesitation, really. That season, then, obviously, you mentioned their fourteen appearances under goal, and uh, the the following season, though York did manage to push on, and um, you were uh, you had a good season yourself, forty nine appearances and three goals. One of those being uh, arguably one of the most important. Yeah, the one on the last day of the season was against Oxford, who'd won the league. That was just to secure our playoff place. Um, and like I said, I played nearly 50 games that season. Really good. Some, when I look back at that team, really good. A lot of players who went on to play football league after that. Um, so, you know, ultimately, obviously, it ended in disappointment in the playoffs. We got beat at Mark. We didn't even get to Wembley. We got beat off Mark in the semi finals. Massively disappointing. Um, but. Uh, you know, it was it was a fantastic season. What, what proved to be my last season at York. Yeah, you mentioned there obviously disappointment towards the end of that season. But um, on a personal level, Neil uh, winning Clubman of the Year yourself that must have been quite the honour. Yeah, it was again somewhat completely unexpected. Like I said, there've been lots of good players there: Clayton Donaldson, Andy Bishop. Um, scored bags and bags of goals each that season. So to get that was unexpected. But yeah, like I say. Um, very honoured any any individual award you win. Obviously, I, I'd have swapped it for a place at Wembley and a promotion, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. In terms of the season then, Neil, obviously we mentioned there um, getting that goal that got York into the playoffs and getting Clubman of the Year. But uh, yeah, at the end of it, you got the call up to the England C squad to uh, to top it all off. And uh, that, that must have been one hell of an honour to uh, represent your country. 
Oh yeah, it was fantastic, and we got like we got a private jet up to Inverness, and we had a little tournament. It was Scotland, Wales, Ireland, England. Um, we won it. I, play, I played two of the games. Was on the bench uh, the other one, and like I say, it was that was obviously my last last real foray in in, in non league. Because after that, I went obviously Barnet in League Two, so it was a nice way to finish. And like I say, I kept the caps. I got. I kept the shirts. I got and. Again, they're just good memories from non-league. Like I say, to look back on, like I said, I always look back non-league days with uh, with fond memories. Yeah, yeah, a real honour there to uh, play for that England seaside. And um, on the obviously on the back of that season, then uh, you uh, you made the move to Barnet in the football league and made your football league debut age twenty six. Uh, that that must have been quite surreal at the time. Yeah, to be doing it at that age is is very obviously it is it is not orthodox. Um, and I was late, but I, I thought at that time I thought I was ready for it, and uh, it was at Morecambe, funnily enough, um, who beat us at York. The um, obviously in the playoffs the season before, and obviously they went on to get promoted. So um, it was a bit surreal going there for my for my league debut. I haven't played there in the conference the year before, and um, but that's um, that was again a good season. I enjoyed it. Played the majority of the games, and you know, first time really living away from home. Obviously, just I lived in Potters Bar, North London, um, away from the family a, a lot of the time. You know, I, lo- I was probably a bit homesick to be honest. The first few months, because I'd finish a game Saturday and drive home. It'd be about three and a half hour, four hour drive just to be at home for Saturday night, Sunday, and then I'd travel back down Sunday night. So, um. Like I say, probably missed home to start with, but you know, once I got settled down there and the more people you know, people were really kind to me, um, welcoming. You know, I really enjoyed it down there. It must have been a uh, strange feeling, Neil. You know, you had a great debut there against Morecambe, and then after the uh, second game, you landed with a three match ban after a red card at Norwich City. Yeah, again, I, I, every time I see Dion Dublin on the telly now, I say that I see he got me sent off. I can't watch a program with an idiot. He flipping stitched me right up. I've gone up for an header. And I was back. I was. I was just. I was just backwards, backwards, going backwards. Um, and then, like I say, I've, I've caught whoever it was with an elbow in the head. He's gone down. The next thing, Dion Dublin's come round, giving it all the gobby one, grabbed me around the throat. I've told him where to f off, and it's just got a thingy. And obviously, I got sent off. But like I say, if, if you hadn't made a melee, it's one of them. You probably wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have been a red. Uh, I didn't even think it was yellow. To be honest, I've seen it back. Um, but look, it's probably something I had done. I had done, like I say, you do anything to win a game of football. Uh, but it was, uh, like I say, I've, I've held it against him ever since. I, I don't watch, I can't watch Holmes under the hammer anymore. Not really a minute now. So it was a, a solid first season, Neil, and then um, by November of the next year, you'd uh, been appointed captain again, and something that had become a bit of a uh, running theme through your career. Yeah, again, like I say, I was just, just, um, I don't know. Why? What the manager seen? Or I was just probably because I was. I don't. I don't know. Like I say, I don't know. I was couldn't really tell you why, but it was just again a privilege. Every time I've, I think I've captained every club I've been at, even if it was just for a one-off, um, a one-off appearance. You know, I've been, I've been given that honour. Like I say, it was never something I took lightly at, at any club I've I've done it for. And like I say, it's something being cap being made captain means obviously that people see something in you that that that. that comes across as being a leader, so it's a, again, it was a, it was a it was a huge honour. It uh, it sort of comes back to that thing that Harry Dunn said at Whitby uh, that we mentioned earlier about uh, those leadership qualities that he wanted to see. It must have been uh, nice for you knowing that those were showing and, and people saw you fit to be a captain. Yeah, like I say, and I, I 
when I got the armband, I, I just I made a decision I wasn't going to change the way I was because I'm quite when I went into football, I'm quite laid back in the dressing room. I like a joke, I like a laugh, I like messing around, like I said, making people laugh, moving people's gear around, practical jokes. You know, I'm quite a relaxed character off the pitch. Um, and like I said, as, as captain, sometimes you're expected to be that leader and be that sensible head. But I, I, I made the decision, look, I've got the captaincy for a reason. So why change how, how I am or, or who I am? So it was, I was, I wouldn't say I was an orthodox captain either doing it that way, like I said, because I was always at the, every time there was something going on, I like, I like to be at the heart of all the banter in the dressing room. From Barnet then, Neil, you uh, ended up going to Notts County and uh, you were one of the first signings of a pretty mad summer there. Yeah, it was um, when I signed, there was there was um, whispers of of investment coming in and the manager said he, he wanted to bring two or three in. But to be honest, I don't, I don't think even he knew what was what was to come four or five weeks later. Um, like I say, with... Um, Munto, Munto Finance, whoever they call themselves, come in. Um, Sol Campbell turned up, Sven Goran Eriksson turned up, um, and it was it was a, it was a crazy, 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 crazy summer. Actually, when I look back at it now, we were in Austria in pre-season, and we did um, the club had been took over. But like I said, nothing could real prepare us uh, for what was to come. I can only imagine, Neil. Yeah, it was uh, Sven Goran Eriksson who was the first one to turn up, and um, I mean, for you as a Notts County player in League Two, it must have felt quite surreal. You know, you've got the former England manager rocking up at training and uh, everything like that. But uh, what was what was Sven like to work with? He was really good. I mean, it, it was surreal. Like you say, you're hearing the whispers and you're hearing this, that, and the other, and it's in the media and it's making the national media. And you just think it's rubbish, and then and then one day he's there. You come in and he's in these his drivers there. Uh, Todd Grip was with him, but he as a bloke he was really good. He was he was he was really quiet, but he'd always want to chat. He was obviously he was brought in as a technical director. I forget his name, um, his his role, but he he wasn't the manager. He was um, up there in, in the thing, and he was. He was always wanting to chat, and he'd come in at lunchtime. He'd come down and watch training, and he 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 was he was I'd say he was quiet. He'd come across as a quiet bloke, but then he'd uh, he'd go into Nottingham on a Saturday night, and he'd be sat there in the corner of the living room, and he'd have this little section cornered off, and he'd always wave you in, and there'd be drinks everywhere, and you'd be thinking, it's it, it, it's a real issue, you know. You sat there in in a, in a pub in Nottingham and spend back Goran Eriksson's buying your drinks and me. You know, we've got a we've got a game Tuesday and he's buying bottles of vodka and he's getting pints sent over and you're thinking, oh my god, if the gaffer finds out, there's going to be yellow. So it was it was it was surreal all everything that went with it to be honest and it was it was a bit of a circus if I'm honest. Yeah, so obviously at the time you've got um, Sven Goran Eriksson there. Um, in terms of the players at the football club, then how many of them? Or how much was it a case of them going to Sven for any sort of advice or anything? Um, not really. He's, he's, I think his main job was to see... He was obviously the face of this company who were taking over, so it wasn't really... He was basically just there to facilitate the, the takeover and maybe use his contacts to bring players in. But obviously, we're, we're, we're in names, good league one names, good league, league two names, good players. Manager said he wanted to bring in when I signed... Next thing you knew, you this talk of Roberto Carlos and, and all these names coming down. Sol Campbell, and you're thinking, you know, wow, it, it, it just doesn't seem real for a League Two club. But then, you know, there was always that in the in the background that maybe something wasn't right when you've got like the butcher and the milkman. You, you walk into reception one day and they'd be kicking off that their bills hadn't been paid. 
But yeah, we've got Sol Campbell training with us, so it was all a bit, it, it all smelt not right really from the start, to be honest. So you as a group of players then, obviously every day you're hearing names like Roberto Carlos, as you mentioned, David Beckham, Luis Figo. Um, so when when you're going into training, what was what was the mood like around the camp at that time, hearing those names? I mean, again, like I said, we had a, we had a good group, so we, we basically laugh about it. Um, it was it was it was carnage, like I said, we had good lad Jamie Clapham left back, but we're thinking Clapp's like you got no. We're signing Roberto Carlos. You might as well go and pack your boots and disappear, mate. Because you, <laughs> you can fight for your place all you want, but you you have absolutely no chance. So it was just like I say, we just we just we just seen the seen the funny side to be honest, and just took the mick out of each other as lads tend to do. We did we didn't take anything too seriously. Like I say, Saul Campbell turned up, um, but I think he got wind of what was going on. Because um, he, he as soon as quickly as he turned up, he disappeared again. He, he played one game at Morecambe, and he got ran ragged. I mean, he got he did. He got ran ragged. He couldn't believe he walked in. He couldn't stand up straight in the dressing room because of the the ceilings in there. He got, he got he was getting battered, and then I remember his face when they, we all got fish and chips on the court at the end of the game, and he was looking at it. He, he, I think I think it sort of hit home a bit of reality at home with Big Sol there. We realised. You know, he wasn't in the Premier League anymore when the boys got beat. I think we got beat one at Markham when the lads are talking in the fish and chips on the way home. And he was he was almost in disbelief, uh, the big man. But again, like I say, just, these lads, when you speak to them, you realise they're just normal blokes. But the, I think Sol's thing was he, he wasn't used to, obviously, he wasn't used to the level, the standards, the the um, the pictures, the dressing rooms. And it, 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 come, it, come, it come as a hell of a shock to him. So talk us through that time then, because obviously you're at Notts County in League Two, and then um, and then Saul Campbell's rocking up. Um, it, that must have been quite strange for all of you. Oh yeah, well we obviously we uh, well to be honest, I was delighted because he had a whacking great promotion bonus in my contract. So I'm thinking if we can get as many of these big hitters down as possible, I, I might not have to play half the games here. And I was on a two or three year deal anyway, so I thought worst case scenario, I'll get, I'll get promoted, I'll get my bonus, and I'll get the next two years paid up. So. It was it was win win for me, but um, yeah, obviously Casper Schmeichel come down again, but again he was he was a young kid at Man City at the time. I think Sven had, had known him from there. Uh, again, a great lad. I still speak to Casper now. Really nice lad. Um, but like I say, the it was it was almost it's it was almost well it was too good to be true, and that's the way that's the way it come across. Really, that's the way we we were thinking. There's got to be a snag here because. There was no face for this group apart from Sven in the building. We'd never seen anyone. The money men never really appeared, um, even though they were, meant to, they were coming in this week and they're coming in that week or they're coming in this day or they'll be there Saturday for the game. And they never did. And then I, I remember Panorama doing a programme on them. Um, Sol obviously left one day. He just walked off the training field, said he had a tight hamstring. By the time we got in after training, he, he picked up his boots and, and he cleared all his locker out. So... We sort of knew things weren't right, and obviously later on in that season, they they, they it all hit the fan, and obviously they realised it was just one big, one big con really, and there was there was no money. Yeah, it was uh, obviously a crazy time, Neil. But um, in terms of Saul Campbell as part of the group, then as part of the team, how uh, how did he integrate with everyone? Re- well, like I say, really well. Um, he was just he was a good lad. He obviously he wasn't used to. The facilities or the lack of facilities, should I say, that that a League Two club would have. And I mean, let's let's be honest, Notts County is a good League Two club. I was at the time. They've got a lovely stadium. A trainer at the university. Um, for League so for League Two, it, it was it was a big club. 
Um, but he just, like you say, just wasn't used to it. The the list, obviously, they've got so many staff at these Premier League clubs at where he'd been. Uh, and to be honest, he come in and he was he was way off it. You know, we were doing simple passing drills and the ball's bouncing off him and it's flying everywhere. And you're looking, thinking, who's that? And you look across, the ball's nearly missing, ball's skimming your head. And you look, it's, it's Sol Campbell, and he's he's having an absolute nightmare. I just I just think mentally, it, it must have been down to mentally because obviously after even after he left after he left Notts County, I think he signed a short term deal at Arsenal and went back to play in the Champions League. So it just shows you what football, what a, what a crazy game it actually is. So uh, you started that season with Ian McParland in charge. He was sacked on October the 12th and replaced by Hans Back. Um, obviously, Hans Back, a name that's that's been quite synonymous at some decent-sized clubs as well. What was what was he like as a manager? Yeah, again, I got, I got along really well with Hans. He, he was just a nice bloke, um, really nice bloke. Um, spoke to him a couple of times when he went off to manage Red Bull uh, in New York. Um, but uh, again, like I say, I... Chaz was the one who signed me, and I, I, I still talk to Charlie McParland to this day. Someone I respect, um, respect his view, views on the game. I think he's really well, really well informed, and like I say, he's someone I, I, I've turned to on more than one occasion since since uh, since he got sacked. After uh, hands back, it was Steve Cottrell who took charge. So I mean, that season was quite long in terms of the number of managers that you went through, um, but in the end, went on to win the league and then uh, promoted to League One. And uh, the following season, you ended up scoring probably what is your most famous goal? Yeah, yeah, against Man City in the cup. Um, I know it's one everyone everyone speaks about. I'd be, I'd have been, uh, and I tell everyone it, it, it probably would have went, went more if it, if it was a winning goal. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. Uh, they they pinned us back. Um, but you know, I was like, I, I've said that I said this before. I think Paul Linton told me I had to go around the back post, and for some reason, I, well. I just hadn't listened to him and I found myself at the near post and I think an under-hit corner and the ball's on my head. So, um, like you say, it's funny how football works. I remember it going in the top corner. Um, I think Zabaleta was on the line. It just went above his head and went, and went in. And like you say, it was the raw, that noise, obviously, you could feel the you could feel the stadium shaking. Um, it was a fantastic feeling. Um, and like I say, it's certainly the one moment in my career that um, I get asked about more than any other. It was uh, quite the moment, Neil. And um, obviously, when you've seen that ball leave your head and hit the back of the net, what was what was the feeling with you? I just disbelief. Like I say, like I say, I, was, I, was, I just couldn't believe it. I, like I say, I was I was meant to be around the back stick, so I was glad it. I was glad it went in. I think she would have had me at half time. Um, but no, just obviously the. T- I mean, it wasn't if they had a um, a weak team out, a reserve team out. You know, they're all out. Uh, Richards, uh, Mike Richards at the time, Jerome Boatang, they had, uh, I think, Edin Zeko um, was playing, Gareth Barry, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a full, Patrick Vieira, it was, it was a really, really strong, strong lineup, and Julian Lescott, like I say, the names just keep coming, it, and we gave him a, we gave him a right good, a right good game that afternoon, and probably in the end, we were unlucky, unlucky not to win like I say early doors the keepers, our keepers made some great saves which which you'd expect he was going to have to do if you're going to have a good afternoon but after that we grew into the game and more than matched him for that one for that 90 minutes which which can happen in football and like I say it's just just a shame we couldn't have held on because that would have been probably one of the most the, the biggest shocks in, in cup history it was a real magic of the cup story that one and uh, playing against the likes of you know Vieira and those sort of players that are very well decorated in world football must have 
been you know some some experience and to get a second bite at the cherry as well i know the uh, the result wasn't what you would have wanted but uh, yeah great great memories for you neil and uh, on the back of that game towards the end of the season paul interpointed you as captain and uh, he was a manager that you'd go on to work with further yeah look obviously paul Ince, i think he's an absolute legend you look at the inter milan man city not man no, sorry man city man united liverpool Biggest clubs in the world. Um, obviously, coming to Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough for a bit as well. Um, it, it captain his country. He, he was someone I just, you know, if he told me to jump, you'd say how high, you know, he, he, for what he's done his career. He's got that instant respect. And like I say, again, seeing something in me that to, to make me captain, which was probably meant more to me than, than any of the others being who he was. And obviously, an ex, another ex-centre midfielder. Uh, for him to have that much faith in me, um, again, and he was saying you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be in League Two, you or League One. You, should, you need to be kicking on. You want to be playing higher. Uh, just because you've started late again, Paul was saying you, you should be making up for time. He said you should be in the Championship, then kicking on at the top half of the Championship, and, and that's where if, if you don't get to, then you know sort of thing. Then you've you've not reached your potential because that's where I see you. So. Obviously, that gave me a real confidence boost and meant a lot to me. And like I say, I really enjoyed working with him. And then, obviously, when he went to Blackpool, he signed me there. We'll, uh, we'll come back to Paul Lynch just a little bit later on and uh, jump back to Notts County there. The following pre-season, um, ended up going to Juventus and uh, playing at the new ground there and uh, swapping shirts with Del Piero must have been some moment for you. Yeah, again, I was lucky enough to be captain. Uh, it was Martin Allen at the time. Um and obviously, Juventus were opening a new stadium, and they were um, they had their connection to Notts County because of the kit. I think Notts County sent them some kit when they first formed, and they wanted Notts County there for the first for the first game in the new stadium, which is a fantastic new stadium. Again, to be fair, again, I was lucky. I, I count my blessings. I, I happened to be captain at the time, um, so they took us over in a private jet, put us up in the top five star hotel in Turin the day before we were we were in Juventus training ground. I got to meet Ravinelli. Again, one of the heroes of Fabrizio, um, being a Buddha fan, uh, he's co- he was coaching the academy. Got to meet him, uh, got a tour of the stadium, and then obviously on opening night, it was it was almost like in the opening of the Olympics. The, the ceremony they put on was fantastic, and to be a part of that was just was just unbelievable. And like I say, I, can't, I count myself so so lucky that I was I was able to to be there and, and let to well to to be there would have been fantastic let alone be captain which I was um, obviously to do the coin toss and swap shirts with Del Piero obviously I've got that in a frame in my house it was just it was just um, just fantastic and a huge honour and like I say stuff like that doesn't that doesn't happen every day and I count myself very, very lucky and very, very fortunate that it, it, it happened to me. Yeah, so Del Piero's shirt on the wall at yours, Neil. But uh, what, what do you think happened to uh, your shirt at Del Piero's? Yeah, it probably, it probably didn't leave the stadium with him, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> to be fair, when I spoke to him, I think they were keeping it. With, this is funny enough. I think they were keeping it because it was going in, in their music. It was going somewhere over there because obviously of the first game in their new stadium I think they were keeping it to, to put it on shore somewhere which which again is an honour it's not obviously it's not my name they were showing it was a Notts County shirt uh, that they wanted to keep from the first from the first uh, game in the new stadium in the armband and the armband I also gave them so like I say hopefully now I've finished playing full time I can I can take my little boy over there and, uh, and and showing where obviously I play and like I say that's that it's a massive honour and like I say something that doesn't come around very often. 
for many, very many people. Yeah, that must be uh, some thought. Obviously, knowing that your shirt could well be on display at Juventus Stadium. Um, but in terms of that day, then, in terms of the match, I mean, that, that must have been some honour in itself, playing on the same pitch as players like Del Piero, Andrea Perlo, Luca Toni, uh, John Luigi Buffon and, and so on. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. It, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, like I say, you can barely believe it when you, when you see him. Uh, you've, you, I mean, I've never seen these people in, in the flesh, let alone play alongside them. Um, I was, a, I was always a massive fan of, uh, of Italian football growing up in the nineties. I remember Gazetta used to Gazetta football Italia on Channel Four, and then watching the. I was always an AC Milan fan, if I'm honest. Watching Van Basten and Rijkaard and, and the like on a Sunday afternoon when it used to be on Channel Four. So Italian football was something that I always kept a close eye on. So to go over there, it's just like, like you say, magical memories and. To be honest, now it's only since I've really announced my retirement that you look back on these things and you, and you, you actually realise how lucky you've been. So uh, from Notts County, it was uh, a step up the leagues again, this time to Blackpool was your next move under Paul Ince, as we mentioned. Um, and, and looking at it, obviously for a Stockton boy who got to the Football League quite late, um, the Championship again was another fantastic step for you. Yeah, like I say, I, I thought... I thought that was that the championship would pass me by, but obviously Paul Lynch wanted me at Blackpool. Uh, and again, just like a lot of the moves, it was a no-brainer. Um, went there, um, and we had, we had the best we had the best start a Blackpool team has ever had in any division. Uh, unfortunately, things deteriorated later on in the season. Inter fell out with the chairman, and obviously, I think the Iceland family were notorious for, for stuff that they did at Blackpool. So it was a shame we couldn't continue it because, like you say, come Christmas, we were, we were well up there in the playoffs. Uh, come December, it was January onwards where it started really going bad. And, uh, sorry, late December, January where it started going wrong. But again, fantastic. We just loved it. I think the championship is, is is where you get the big hitters. The stadiums are beautiful. The pitches are immaculate. You're getting 20,000, 30,000 every game. And, you 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 find another level in your performance. I think you you, you didn't realize even you had because um, you, you're up against internationals every week and you in, in that type of arena you don't let yourself down and that that pushes you on again. I think it gives you that extra five ten percent. So you went into Blackpool at a time where there was obviously still quite a few protestations against the uh, against the Oysters. What what was that like at the time? Well, obviously, pre-season was, and then obviously we got to a really good start. Like I say, for the first eight or nine games, ten games, we only got beat once, the best start they've ever had. So that sort of took the pressure off um, the, the protest, really. And, you know, the ground was bouncing. I remember we, we had a really good team. Chris Basham, obviously now with Sheffield United, Thomas Innes, Craig Cathcart at Watford, Barry Ferguson, Ricardo Fuller. You know, real good, good players. And, again, I was learning then. I was, like, I think, I was 32, 33 when I made my championship debut. But again, you're still learning off the off these internationals and top top players, um, and so it was it was a bit weird. And then obviously, I think Tom Ince was running out of contract. I think this is where it all come from. And I think obviously Paul was telling them to run his contract down, and the chairman was trying to sell him. And then that obviously led to a split between the chairman and and the gaffer. And January, I think we had about five or six loan players who were in the squad and probably four were starting every week. They all got sent back um, and obviously the chairman didn't want to fund any replacements. So it all went sour, which was which was a crying shame really because like I say, for the first, certainly third of the season, we were, we were in a fantastic shape and, and doing really well. Yeah, I mean, the names that you mentioned there, some fantastic championship players in that squad. Um, Barry Ferguson ended up taking the job on. Uh, how how did he take to the management role coming in from uh, playing side of things? 
I think, yeah, he was, he, I like Barry. I like him as a player. I like him as a person. Again, he was straight down the middle. He was a winner. I mean, he was a morning get in training that, but he wouldn't He wouldn't accept standards dropping at any point. Like I say, I, again, another, I was lucky enough in midfield. I learned off him. Um, and then he got thrown in the deep end, really. Like I say, half of, half of his loan, half of the lads went back on loan and the chairman didn't want, really want to finance anything because we were, even if... We, Worst case scenario, we'd be finished bottom half, but, but we shouldn't go down because of the start we'd had. And he, I think the chairman just wanted to get the end of the season and survive in the championship. So he he, he sort of um, he got dealt a bad hand, Baz, but um, I, I, I quite liked him as a manager. And I'm surprised he hasn't uh, gone on to, to do anything yet. But I suppose he's he's still relatively young and, and time's on his hands. So after a season, you, uh, you left Blackpool and dropped back to League One with Scunthorpe United. Uh, how did you find your time at Glanford Park? Yeah, well, obviously leaving, I think um, everyone got, well, a mass, there was, I think everyone was out of contract and there was only about five was the chairman wanted to keep because we didn't have a manager at the time. Um, so to leave there was, was sort of a big decision because you work all your, all your career to get to that level. But I, th- I think everyone could, everyone and we and we all spoke well. You could see where Blackpool were going to go that following season. They were going to be, you know, they were going to get relegated. They were going to be... They were a, sh- a shamble, so it wasn't really in that respect. It wasn't really a su- such a big decision to leave. And Scunthorpe would just come up from League Two, offered me a really good contract, really ambitious, wanted to go for it, and and like I say, what made me feel really, really wanted. So again, it was just something a, a new challenge that uh, I was ready for. Yeah, your uh, first season in League One with Scunthorpe, finishing sixteenth, but uh, beyond that, in the seasons that followed, started challenging towards the top end of League One, and you must have got a real buzz off the back of that. Yeah, well, the season after, I think we missed out on, on goal difference. And then the following two seasons, we were in there. And uh, again, seems to be the case of the Hummer playoffs. Um, we got beat in the semi-finals. We didn't make it at Wembley. Uh, I mean, I'm a jinx in the playoffs. If I'm ever involved in a team and, and they get to the playoffs, you might as well write it off. But, you know, especially the first season we got the playoffs, we should we should have we should have got promoted. You know, we were, we were in the top two along with Sheffield United for a long time and then hit a really sticky spell in Bolton. Uh, pipped us and then Millwall beat us in the semi-finals and they went on to get promoted the season after Rotherham beat us in the semi-finals and they went on to get promoted so ultimately disappointing in terms of what could have been but as for, for I mean I played every game virtually every I'd say 90% of games in my, for over the four years I was there so again I, look, I can only look back on that with fond memories but tinged with a bit of regret that we never actually got, got that promotion of the championships which which was the aim when I went there In terms of the side then that you had at uh, Scunthorpe do you feel that you probably were good enough to uh, make that step up? Yeah certainly that season under Graham Alexander you look at it now um, you know Connor Townsend who's at West Brom just got the Premier League Murray Wallace who was at uh, Millwall in the championship Josh Morris uh, Fleetwood, Paddy Madden scored goals in League One. We had a really, really good team. Um, uh, Dwayne Holmes, he's a derby. You know, the, the team was good enough and we should have got over the line. Um, the problem was we hit a sticky patch in February. You never got ourselves out of it. Ultimately missed out. Like I said, you look at Sheffield United and Bolton, two massive clubs in that division. Uh, and we were up there trading blows with them all season. So to, to miss out was, was massively disappointing. Um, and then, like I say, to, to uh, double double blows, then, then to not to get to Wembley and get beat in the playoffs, which unfortunately we did off Millwall. 
Yeah, and um, obviously while while you were at Scunthorpe United and through your time there, um, you had you had your wife Frances on the uh, on the Apprentice as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that, we were quite fortunate because that was filmed really during the off season, um, which would have been a bit of a nightmare because she was literally away for eight weeks. Um, so it, was, it would have been a nightmare if it was during the season, especially with a little boy. But you know that sort of fell 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 kindly actually, and like I say, she went and done done fantastically well in the program. So from Scunthorpe United, it was a move to Mansfield Town, and that was your last club in the football league. How did that move come about? Well, obviously my contract had, had ran out at Scunthorpe. Um, they were making changes, they were putting a wage bill, and obviously that was that was. I knew I was leaving that summer after we got beat off Rotherham that that was going to be the end. Um, if we didn't get promoted that season, there was going to be changes at Scunthorpe, um, and Mansfield had made made moves before that so it was sort of wrapped up I knew I was going there before the season finished um, and again a, a club with massive ambition obviously we got, it sounds like a broken record but we got beat in the playoffs that season again after after being in the top in the top three automatic promotion places for so long um, to miss again just, just so disappointing so disappointing um, and you know, when I look back, the, the the amount of promotions I could have had to, to what I did get is disappointing. But again, Mansfield's a fantastic club. Loved David Flickhoff, um, one of the best managers, best coaches I've, I've probably worked for. Just some of the sessions he put on, really good, really passionate. And again, just disappointed for him, for, for him and, and for the rest of us that we never got over the line. Yeah, that season, obviously, he finished fourth in the division and uh, didn't actually technically lose the tie as such in the playoffs. It was... Um... A penalties defeat that must have been really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, heartbreak. And um, I tweaked the calf in the first leg at Newport as well, so I, did, I didn't get the play in the, in the reverse fixture. Um, but obviously, it was down there, um, and probably doubly frustrating because you're on the touchline, you can't affect the game, you can't affect what's going on. It's all out of your hands. You know the technique. It's, it's so strange. You, you you're so confident that you'll that you'll get the job done, and you come off. We got beat on penalties that night. You sat in the dressing room, and another season's over. And it was just just a horrible feeling, probably more than any of the other ones, as due to the fact that I had no no say what what happened that night. Obviously, through injuries. So that was that was that was probably a really really low low painful feeling. That was probably as bad as I've ever had. Yeah, it was a disappointing end, Neil. And then, um, obviously, off the back of that last season, 2019-20, um, it was it was sort of complete opposite to the season you just had and uh, quite a disappointing one. Yeah, well, the chairman obviously pulled the plug on the manager and he went, uh, the academy boss come up, uh, maybe not ready for the top job. And we struggled. Like I say, I think there was definitely a hangover from not getting promotion. You look back now, maybe we probably needed five or six in and a few out the door. Um just to freshen it up, um, fresh energy in the place, because there certainly was that hangover. And again, we could we couldn't shake it. And ultimately, another manager got sacked. Um, and we would, I think, we were heading in the right direction. Graham Coughlin coming from Bristol Rovers, ultimately, and then but obviously in March everything stopped, and, and ultimately that was going to be the that was the end for me really in, in professional football. So you're uh, 39 years old now, Neil, and uh, just retired recently from the professional game. Um, was that something that you always had in your head as uh, doing this season or was it something that just sort of come to you? No, it was always in my mind. Um, I'd done my, I'd started doing my UEFA badges. I'd done my B licence a few years ago uh, and I've just completed my A licence this summer. So And that was basically my, my, my plan. I didn't want to stay too long or overstay. Um, I basically achieved probably everything I was going to. Um, obviously missing out in, in three years. 
Um, three years, three years, three playoff defeats. It, it took its toll, and look, I was just. I probably thought that I've had my chance. Um, I've had a great career, um, and and that was it. Like I say, I wanted I wanted to bow out on my terms. I didn't want to get to the point where I was I was scratching around looking for clubs, and no one would have me, and I'd be forced into retirement. I just I just didn't want it to end like that. I wanted to be on my terms, and I wanted to to go out my way. And so, like I say, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to do that. Um, and like I say, I'm I'm massively grateful for the career I've had. Um, no, a bit disappointed. Obviously, it finished in March, but I'm not bitter about it. It's it happened, um, and it is what it is. But like I say, I'm massively grateful for the career I've had. Like I say, some of the moments we spoke about, um, some people can only dream of that. So I've I've been very lucky, and like I say, I'm I'm very privileged to have the career I've had. So yeah, you mentioned there about your UEFA license and completing that, Neil. Um, and you're going into the academy setup at uh, Mansfield Town. Is is coaching something that you're looking at, or is management possibly on the table as well further down the line? Yeah, maybe I need. And look, I'm a, I'm a complete. I've got the badges, but I'm a complete novice coaching wise. I need to get my hours in. I need to prove myself again. You start at the bottom. Uh, there's no god given right because you've had a decent career. You're going to be a decent coach. So I'm, I'm. It's something I'm ready for. Like I say, I want to, I want to get out there. I want to prove myself. I've got loads of ideas. I don't see myself being like academy coach forever. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm again same as when, when I was a player. I'm ambitious. I want to kick on as quick as possible. I want to get up. I want to work in first teams and ultimately, yeah, probably be a manager. I think I'm probably a bit too hot headed at the minute um, to be a manager. Um, because obviously I've got a lot. I've got to learn. I'm looking at taking my pro license soon, um, which is something that, again that interests me. Um, so, like I say, it's, it's uh, I'm really excited about this about this new career, and like I said, I've just we're getting back full time next week, and I really can't wait to get going. Uh, I've got a load of ideas I want to get going, and like I say, it's something something I'm, I'm passionate about is is developing players and making people better, because a lot of people did that to me, um, and like I said, I, I'm I'm forever grateful to them people who spent that bit of extra time with me, pushing me on, and that I want to give something back in that regard as well. So, like I say, it's fantastic, and I can't, I can't wait to get going. So, in terms of coaching, then Neil, um, obviously you've worked with a lot of managers and coaches through both non-league and the football league. Uh, where where will you be sort of taking inspirations from? Do you think in terms of your coaching style? Yeah, I think I think the way things are now, you've got to be a good people person. Um, I think that's a, a, the I think that's key in getting people to play for you. Uh, I think you've got to you've got to be able to treat people as individuals and not as a group. I think that's important. I think if people see you care and you don't care about what you can get out of them, you actually care about them as individuals. You can you can you can get connect a couple couple percent out of them. I think you've got to know your own mind. I think you've got to be confident. You've got to come across confident in front of a group of people. Because I mean, if you're if if you're not confident in your own ideas, and how are you going to get people to follow you? So I think you've got there's, there's loads of stuff. Again, like I say, these are only ideas, and these are the only the way I see it. Um, I'm very laid back as a person. I want to be approachable. Uh, like I say, I, I do like helping people not only as as footballers and improve. Um, I see myself as, as certainly a training ground coach. I want to get on there and, and help people improve technically uh, everywhere I possibly can. Uh, like I say, and then hopefully get me hours in, get get make some experience in, and go on to eventually uh, be a manager myself one day. But like I say, I'm I'm, I'm very approachable, uh, laid back. Um, obviously on the pitch, I'm the complete opposite because that nature to take win at all costs takes over me. Um, 
and ultimately that's what I'm about. But like I say, as a person, I'm, I'm very laid back, and like I say, I want to I want to help people. So we mentioned potentially going into management, Neil. Um, in terms of a career path in that respect, then is it something where you'd potentially follow your playing career path and start in non-league and move up, or a case of see what opportunities come along as and when? Yeah, again, there's no, there's no real master plan. I know what I'd like to do, but look, opportunities can be few and far between. Um, people say don't jump when the, you've got to pick your, you pick your club, pick your, pick your chairman wisely these days because obviously you can, it can be finished as quickly as it starts. Um, I think the only thing, the, the way football's going now, there's no real time to build anything. It's basically results instantly or you're under pressure right from the off. So again, you, it's not, not something um, there's, real, there's a real master plan in my head about. I just want to, to get in now. Uh, to the academy and and like I say, get get all these ideas I've got on paper and in my head and, and see what they come across as um, practically. Um, but look, um, I, I'm I'm quite I, if the right the opportunity um, came non league, I'd, I'd quite happily take it. Like I say, like I'm, I'm, you look at um, what the Cowley Bros did non league and where they got to, and, and certain other people have, have have took clubs up and proved themselves non league, and I'd be I'd be more than happy to uh, to try and do that myself. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And just to uh, finish things off then, Neil, we've got a couple of listener questions in. The uh, the first one being from Dave Reynolds, um, and he's asking, who's the best manager you've played under? Um, I really like Steve Cottrell. He came in at Notts County when, um, obviously, all that month or business fell out, and, the, and he, was, he, was, he was really good against someone who just, you know, he noticed little things in a game, and maybe you track your runner 50, 60 yards, probably 10 times a game, and nothing had come of it and you think, Christ, no, I'm doing this and nothing, you know, the ball would come in, but, you know, you'd have a little word to say, bitch, don't wait, I've seen you doing that. and Just little things he'd say and notice who you pick you up and think, oh, well, I'm, I'm actually doing this, you know, and he's, he's seen what I'm doing. Um, so, uh, obviously, Paul Ince had a great rapport with Paul Ince, uh, someone I still speak to, someone I asked advice for. Uh, Martin Allen for, for being just completely crazy, to be honest, Martin Allen. Um, like I say, I've been fortunate. There's not a lot of managers I haven't got along with. Um, probably the only one is, is the most recent one. I, I wasn't keen on the on the last manager at Mansfield, Graham Coughlin. But apart from that, I've had great relationships and I'll take bits off all of them. Yes, yeah, some uh, some good names there. One from Ian Laxton here. Uh, said he was sat in the cop for that goal against Manchester City. But was that your best Notts County goal? Um Best goal, I think it'll have to. It certainly meant the most, um, and like I say, it's the one I'm asked about asked about the most. Um, like I say, I don't remember much about it. I don't even. I couldn't even give you an honest answer as if I meant to put it in the corner, or, it, or if it was just a flick on. To be honest, I don't. I remember that little about it, but it's certainly the. Uh, the highlight, you know, a, a big highlight of my Notts County career, yeah. Uh, great stuff. So just one final question then, Neil, and it's uh, from Ian again, who's asking, uh, what what was it like playing alongside Lee Hughes? Oh, brilliant. Look, uh, Hughes, he's a mate now. He, he's, he's, I know, he splits opinion, but for me, he was a great lad. He was great in the dressing room. He was great for organising social events with the boys, great for the team spirit, uh, a leader, and probably one of the most natural goal scorers, finishers I've, I've ever played with. Uh, great stuff, Neil. Great stuff. And, uh, I mean, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on uh, episode three of Blue Sair Chiati Talks. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And, um, yeah, just a quick reminder for anyone listening, we'll be back next week with another show. But uh, in the meantime, hard copies and online copies of Blue Sair Chiati 
issue two are available on the Whitby Town Football Club website. You can uh, get those now. It's £3 for a digital copy and £4 for a paper edition. And um, as well as which, I think we've still got online editions available on there of issue one as well. So make sure you uh, you grab one of those while you still can. And uh, yeah, again, once again, thank you to Neil Bishop for joining us for this uh, last hour or so. And we'll be back next week with more from Blue Serciati Talks. <laughs>